The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Go put a band-aid on it. Welcome to Beside Still Waters, our Put a Band-Aid on It segment. So today we're thinking about the heart of the issue. Have you ever wondered why you and I do the things we do or say the things we do or behave in the manner that we do? And at times when the day is over and we reflect on it, we ask ourselves, why did I do that? And sometimes we are amused, or at times we blush because we might be a little embarrassed at the way we handled a particular circumstance. Believe it or not, it's a very simple paradigm. And so often when we read certain periodicals, or even do research on the internet, uh, many make it out to be a very complex issue and, and develop all sorts of systems to make changes in our lives and so forth. And we endeavor to do better. Or every January 1st, we start out with uh, new goals, if you will, new purposes, only to find in two or three or a month or so we plateau to our standard behavior. And we ask ourselves, well, what's at the heart of the issue when it comes to me living the way I do or behaving the way I do? And if I wanted to make a change, well, how do I go about doing this? So what we're going to do is we're going to stop right where we are, we're going to regroup and do a relook at ourselves, at our hearts, and then we're going to make some recalibrations and we're going to start again. So uh, let's start with Ezekiel. That sounds like a very interesting name. Uh, he was uh, one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, and um, he wrote to the exiles in Babylon. He was one of them, and he came out, I believe, in the first group of exiles uh, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar and or the Assyrians came and uh, essentially destroyed the northern kingdom first, and then Nebuchadnezzar came and took out Judah and Benjamin, the southern kingdom. And here they are in Babylon. And there was a time when the leaders came to Ezekiel and they wanted to inquire of Jehovah. So they are essentially saying, would you please 
pray for us. Talk to Jehovah on our behalf. And that's where we are going to pick up right here at this point, because this is really insightful. And I love the way that the Spirit of God boils the issue down for us and makes it such that a child can grasp this paradigm. So in chapter 14, uh, there came certain elders of Israel unto Ezekiel, and they sat before him. And uh, the scripture says that the word of Jehovah came unto Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. And then later on in the same narrative, the Spirit of God, again in verse 4, reiterates this to Ezekiel by simply saying, Every man of the house of Israel that sets up his idols in his heart and puts the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face comes to the prophet. And then later on in the narrative, he says the same thing again three times that these men have set up idols in their hearts and put the stumbling block before their face. Let me put it in the vernacular. The problem in Israel, when it came to idol worship, was a problem of the heart. Now, most people would say, well, that's crazy. All you have to do is stop doing what you're doing. Well, it's not that simple. You see, the way we are made is that we design, if you will, a picture in our hearts of what we want and how we want to live and what's important to us. And when, when the Bible talks about the heart, we're talking about the seat of consciousness, the, the center of our being from which intentions and motives and deep desires spring from. The best way I can describe it is what you experience 10 or 15 minutes before you actually fall asleep, when your thoughts are floating freely and you're pondering things and shaping things and enjoying certain thoughts, whether they be good or not good, those moments you are getting a picture of your heart, the wellsprings that come from deep within you. Not what's in your head, like what you do on, on December 31st when you're planning to change certain behaviors, go to the gym, change your, your diet plan, and so forth. Not that. That's a head issue. We're talking about what motivates you from deep within your being. And what Jehovah said to Ezekiel was, the people's problem began in their hearts, and then they stepped out to create it in time and space. So here's the first major lesson. In terms of getting to the heart of the issue, we live the way we do because we've already set up that paradigm in our innermost being, in our hearts. And we have nursed it like these idols. They have already built the idols, shaped the idols, covered them with silver or gold or make them with wood. And they've planted a garden around them. 
and they've made a really nice array. They've made it a beautiful thing to behold. But this was in their hearts. And then in time, they stepped out to create it in time and space. Jesus dealt with a similar issue, and he adds greater clarity to it. For example, in Matthew chapter 15, the Pharisees, who were the uh, primary antagonists of the Lord Jesus Christ, took issue with the fact that the disciples did not wash their hands before they ate their meal. And the Pharisees associated this practice as being a commandment of God. Now, it really wasn't. It was one of their traditions, but that doesn't matter. They took issue with it, and they began to criticize the disciples. And by criticizing the disciples, they were uh, sort of de facto criticizing Jesus Christ as well for endorsing this sacrilege. And then Jesus took the time to say to them and to his disciples, not what enters into the mouth defiles the man, but that which goes forth out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Now, this was a new approach to a very old issue, which is, how do I maintain a lifestyle that falls within the confines of the will of God? It was like when I was growing up as a boy, my dad had certain standards for the home. And I and my father had a great relationship as long as I remained within the confines of those standards. And so for the devotee of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a similar challenge. Well, how do I know that my life is within the confines of the will of God? How do I know that I'm living as I should? Now, Peter, hearing this, comes to the Lord Jesus and asks him to expand on this because this was a new view. What's coming out of me is what's defiling me. How is that? So Jesus says to Peter, don't you yet apprehend that everything that enters into the mouth finds its way into the belly and is cast forth through the draft? Well, essentially, mouth to stomach, intestines, and out through the exit apparatus, if you will. <laughs> That's physical. That has no effect on one's relationship with God. And then he expands on it in a way that I think we all can understand, because we've all been here. Listen to what he says. The things which go forth out of the mouth come out of the heart. Those defile the man. And then he begins to catalog them, if you will, or itemize them. He says, for out of the heart come forth evil thoughts. We've had those. <laughs> Murders. Well, you say, well, I've never murdered anyone. Well, <laughs> Jesus earlier in his ministry said, if, you, if you're angry with your brother, you're a murderer. Boy, that's, that's, that's some hard truths to embrace. Adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses or witnessings, blasphemies. These are the things which defile the man. Essentially, he's looking at certain behaviors that are categorized as moral failures. And these moral failures 
have very little to do with my upbringing, though that can be an influence, okay, or the foods that I eat, or the things that I drink, or certain things that are ingested. But the heart of the issue is that these things spring from the innermost being of a human being, the innermost seat of consciousness, where intense and uh, uh, purposes spring from, motives spring from this innermost core of who I am as a person. This is what defiles the man. This is really the heart of the issue. So then we ask ourselves the related question, so what you're saying, therefore, is what drives my conduct really springs from my heart? And the answer to that is, yes, it does. Let's boil it down to the issue at level one. We have in our innermost being, in our hearts, in our core, we have lived out our lives within ourselves, if you will. And in time, we bring it out into the open. We've already, like Israel in Ezekiel's day, idol worship was not a problem in the land, it was a problem of the heart. And three times Ezekiel was told, they've already set it up in their hearts, they've shaped it, that little idol, that little caricature that they had of what they thought God was, or if it was Baal, which was one of the, uh, the gods of the land of the Canaanites, and they fashioned it and perhaps put gold or silver, and then they probably put a little garden around it and they made it a little sacred space, You know, we all have little sacred spaces like, you know, we have a man cave. Well, this wasn't a man cave. (laughs) This wasn't a caricature of who they deemed to be God. But the problem is they created this caricature in their hearts. They worshipped this caricature in their hearts. They formed a sacred place, fashioned it with gold, built a garden around it. And then, here's here's the kicker. They set out to actually create it in time and space. That's why Ezekiel was told they put the stumbling block before their faces. It began in the heart, shaped in the heart, created in the heart, formed in the heart, worshipped in the heart. And then in time, out it came. And that's what we do. But the Lord Jesus expands on it in greater detail. You see, in Ezekiel's day, it was an idol. But if you read the narrative of their political and social history, there were other evils which sprang from this. At times, uh, there were great injustices against widows and orphans, and they stole from one another. Blood was being shed. They were killing one another unjustly. And in some cases, to our horror, there were certain gods unto which they sacrificed their own children. And all of these evils prevailed because it started with an idol worshipped 
created as sacred in their hearts, and then they stepped out to create it in time and space. So here's the, the core problem with us and our conduct. Before you see the conduct take shape in the life, it had already been formed and bore fruit and was completed in the heart. And that applies to every one of us, whether those behaviors that spring from us are good and wholesome and a blessing to others, or whether they are not good and ill-bred and detrimental to ourselves and to others as well. And so Jesus puts his finger on the heart of the issue. And he says, it is the wellsprings of the heart which mars a person's relationship with God, which becomes, if you will, a hindrance, a blockage that needs to be addressed. And he says, from evil thoughts, through sexual perversions, through false witnessings, blasphemies. So these are just high-level categories from which behaviors spring. And so, like idol worship, it was a heart issue. And in order to compel or encourage or exhort a person to turn to God, they would have to have turned to God from their hearts. In the Gospels, and in the book of Acts, you see the operative word. It's an old-fashioned word in, in the 21st century. You don't hear it used hardly ever. And it's the word repent. Oh, my. Uh, imagine if you were to be sitting in a meeting and trying to develop a business plan, and you say to your colleagues, well, I think we need to repent of that perspective. Well, they would look at you like you've lost your mind. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> repent of that business objective? Well, when John the Baptist preached and the Lord Jesus preached and then the disciples after the coming of the Spirit of God, that was the operative word, repent. What they were saying is that in turning to God, it would necessitate from the heart a 180 degree change in one's perspective, worldview, affections, practices, it touches every level and every area of one's life. There needs to be a complete reversal of all that I am. And in turning to God, I would have to, if you will, own that the path and the practice associated with that, that path, which sprung from my heart, I now have to make a complete change from the heart into the life. And that word is best represented by repentance. Let me go a step further. This happens sometimes in the Christian life, and it's unfortunate, but it, it does happen. It, it, it's, it's the issue of apostatizing, apostasy, a complete rejection of the faith. And if you've been on this path for some time, you might have known a person or persons, or it might have even been you at one point, 
that you took a path that was completely the antithesis of the faith and you cast all caution to the wind and you decided, or you, the person decides, well, I'm just going to live my life the way it is and I'm not going to be held by the constraints of my faith. Okay, that happens. But guess what? Based on what Ezekiel was saying about idol worship and what the Lord Jesus was saying about what defiles my relationship with God, the person who goes astray and rejects the faith had already gone astray and rejected the faith in their hearts. And in time, it came out in the life. It was nursed, shaped, toyed with, if you will, embraced in the heart. And over time, and in time, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe years, it eventually came out in the life. Our lives are but a reflection, an expression, a full disclosure of our heart's affections. But I just don't want to end on a sour note because there's always hope. And that's what I love about truth and scripture. The Spirit of God gives us hope, encouragement, a path that leads to a measure of success, a path that fosters a relationship with God. And that's the whole purpose of just resting beside still waters, taking time to be quiet before God. In Peter's writing, the first letter that he wrote to the Christians that were scattered throughout Asia, in chapter 3, he says this, and I'll go from about verse 13. And he says, And who shall injure you if you've become imitators of that which is good? But if also you should suffer for righteousness' sake or for living the right way, blessed are you. But do not be afraid of their fear, neither be troubled. And here it is. But sanctify the Lord, the Christ, in your hearts and be always prepared to give an answer to everyone that asks you to give an account of the hope that resides within you. But that's the operative exhortation right here. Set Christ apart in your heart as sacred, as Lord, as Son of God. And what happens when Christ is set apart in the heart, when that love relationship, when that walk with God springs from a a happy disposition of relating to and living for his pleasure, that heart affection eventually comes out in the life. You see, my friends, we have a choice. I, I recall fondly, years ago, 
maybe 20 plus years ago. I'm really dating myself. I'm old as dirt. But years ago, I recall I was preparing for a business meeting. And I, as I lay on my bed, I was pondering all the issues around what I needed to do. And just for a few seconds, it's as though I looked at myself objectively and my thoughts were so tense, so worrisome, and my heart was racing. And just for that moment, when I took a snapshot of myself, I thought, oh my, look at the reaction. And at that moment, I asked myself this question, what happens if I began to think about pleasant things? As Paul uh, endorsed to the church at Philippi, whatsoever things are true, just, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, any praise, think on these things. You'll find that in Philippians 4. Think on these things. So you know what I did? I flipped the script. And I began to think on pleasant themes about eternity, the future, my walk with God, the blessings I've enjoyed, answers to prayer, others that I've seen are growing in their faith and in their walk, and they are beginning to bear fruit in their lives. And as I began to relish these very pleasant, wholesome thoughts, I felt myself calming to the point where I was so relaxed that it was an eye-opening experience. So here it is. When I endeavor to quiet my heart in the presence of God beside still waters, it necessitates that I set Christ apart in my heart, that relationship, who he is, his love and kindness, his sympathy for me, the fact that he gave himself for me, the changes that have come into my life and the lives of others, the growth that we've seen, the, the, the development as a Christian, the good things. As I began and begin now to nurse a new vision in my heart, as I set Christ apart as sacred, just as in Ezekiel's day they set idols apart and a lifestyle sprung from that, I want to encourage you to do the very opposite. Just as Peter says, set the Lord, the Christ, apart in your heart and change the scripting of your life. Oh, Father, help us today to just take control of the thoughts of our hearts and to do as Peter exhorted us, set Christ apart as sacred, so that from our lives may flow blessings to others as well as to ourselves as we seek to quiet our hearts in your presence beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, 
please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.